Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. More information about Lifehouse and our senior pastors, Richard and Helen Kabakian, can be found at lifehouse.com.au. We hope you enjoy the following message. It's just so important to realise that this is, it's a season. It's only a season. And uh, we all know deep down inside that this will not last forever. And, and uh, I just want to encourage us right now to to be looking at that little glimmer of light right down the end of that tunnel. And I know the tunnel seems very long, especially from what we're hearing, but I, I do believe that we're going to all get through this and we're all going to be left standing and um, more victorious, feeling like we've grown throughout this season. Um, I, I think there's a story in the Word of God that, um, that really brings this whole situation home for me at the moment, just as I'm thinking about our church, thinking about the world, thinking about your lives, uh, the the situations that I'm hearing about. Um, The Apostle John, he gives us an incredible account uh, that I think would really describe this situation that we are going through and the positive outcome. Um, And we find this story in John chapter 11, and you're going to see the the scriptures will be up on screen, but if you've got your own Bible sitting there on your lap, please feel free to read along with me. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's the story of Lazarus, and I'm sure we've heard this story before, we've probably heard it preached on, um, but I just want to pull a few things out as we just read this together, and, um, and I, I, I would just love you to be amening and clapping and, and doing all the things that we would normally do, even if you're just sitting there in the privacy of your own home. Uh, it, it says, now a man named Lazarus was sick, and uh, he was from Bethany, a village of Mary and her sister Martha. It says, this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus saying, Lord, the one that you love is sick. I I love the way John takes the time to mention that this Lazarus that he is speaking about um, or that he's writing about, um, is the same one who's, he was the brother of Mary who took the time to wash Jesus' feet with her hair. And what, what, it's interesting, why does, he, why does he tell us that? Why is that an important part, piece of this puzzle? Um, because, I, well, when I read that, I just think, so what he's telling us is that even those who worship, like Mary, who worshipped so extravagantly, still have sick things in their life. Her brother that she loved was sick, although she herself was a worshipper. She did all the right things. And right now, some of us would be feeling, but Lord, why why is this happening to me? Uh, We've got some sick things that we love, just like Mary loved her brother. Um, Some of us, it's our career. We love our job. Of course we do. It provides for us. Um, We love the opportunities that were coming our way. For some others, it's got nothing to do with the economy or or anything else that's going on in the world right now. For some of you, it's just been this lingering sickness of a relationship that's just not quite working out. Um, There's a whole lot of things that we love that, if we were honest right now, we feel are sick. But the great news is that Mary did everything right but still had this situation going on in her life. And here's my encouragement to you. Please never see that when something's going wrong in your world, don't always see it as you're doing something wrong. Sometimes just life happens. Bad things happen to good people sometimes. 
and it's got very little to do with you and the way you're living. But the one thing I want to encourage you to do is to continue to trust God. How important is it at this point in time to trust God? I'm I'm speaking to people that, in all honesty, yes, they've been Christians for a long time, but they would also say they haven't really needed to trust God for a long time. Their businesses have been flourishing. They've paid off their homes. Things are going really well for them. Their children are all grown up. And really, although they love God, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying, they love God, but they haven't really had to trust him for quite some time. Well, I've got to tell you, in these days, everyone's getting back to trusting God. And let me encourage you to trust God because he can be trusted. I don't think I've ever seen a period like this, to be honest, in the the whole time I've ever been a Christian where people who even had no interest in God are right now sending out emails, connecting with our church, connecting with you and your family and friends, People are saying, hey, listen, my world has been turned upside down. Um, I need some strength. How do I get through this? And this is when Philippians chapter 12 verses, uh, chapter 4 verses 12 to 13. um, It's a very familiar passage, but we're probably not so familiar with the preceding verse. Uh, And this is the Apostle Paul. He says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. He says, I have learned the secret in living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little, sounds like these times. And then he says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Many of us probably haven't realised that that scripture, that powerful scripture, verse 13, is preceded by a verse that's, that's basically saying, whether I've got a lot or I don't have anything, I can get through this because Christ is going to give me the strength. And that's our message, church. Friends, maybe you're watching for the very first time. That's your hope. Jesus can get us through these moments. We get down to verse 4 and some very interesting things start to play out here where it says, when he heard this, we're talking about Jesus, Jesus said that this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Okay, well, that's interesting. Then verse 5 says, Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So he loved all three of them. Then verse 6 says, So, so, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there for two more days. If you read that correctly, it, it doesn't say, But he stayed there a few more days because he was very busy doing something. It says, so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed a few more days and and then he said to his disciples, come on, let us go back to Judea now. Now, I've got to just give you a bit of a spoiler alert here. Lazarus dies. Maybe you've never read this before, but Lazarus dies and Jesus decides to just hang out wherever he is staying for an extra two more days. Now, I'm I'm a pastor of a church and many of us have been Christians for a long time and I do feel like it's my duty to have to um, defend, defend the Lord and and defend his name and when people don't understand what God is doing in the earth and why, you know, people have got lots of questions about God. I've got no problem defending God and I love doing that. But I've got to tell you, when it comes to this verse, it's like, Lord, you're making it really hard now for me to defend you. Why would you hang around another two more days when you could have gone down to Lazarus 
and just prayed for him and things would have been very different. Now, for, for some of you that are thinking, yeah, why would he do that? Well, before you get angry at God and lose your faith, Jesus, again, spoiler alert, Jesus does raise him to life. So the guy does die, but Jesus does raise him back to life. And, you know, sometimes it just seems like Jesus is just delaying and you've got needs going on in your life, even before this situation that we're currently going through. And it seems like Jesus knows that you're sick. He knows, but he's delaying. He's just hanging around, waiting two more days. Lord, please, I, I need you. I need you to come now. And it's like he's waiting for things to die before he wants to turn up. Well, the good news about this story is if Jesus had have turned up when Lazarus was simply sick, then this story would simply be that Jesus heals sick people. And that's a great story right there, powerful, amazing. But this is an even better story because this is a story that says, have you got some dead things going on in your life? Have you got some things that when you think about it right now, you're thinking it's dead. The economy is dead. My job, those opportunities that were coming, they're dead. Well, then this is great news for us because Jesus didn't bother to heal a sick man. He was going for the big picture. He was going to raise a dead man. And right now, I want to encourage you, what dead things you've got going on in your world right now, things that you think it's gone, it's finished. Well, I've got great news for you. We serve a God who is the God of the impossible. And he's the God who says, yes, I can heal the sick, but I can also raise the dead. And you should be clapping right now and saying thank you and amen, God, because this is the truth. He is the God who can raise dead confidence, dead opportunities, dead business uh, situations that, w- that we think it's, it's gone. But God would say, no, it's not. You know, just recently there was a couple who, uh, who literally sat before me and said, our marriage is over, it is dead. And I literally heard the words come out of one of their mouths that it's over, this relationship is dead. And we literally all lift, left the room. I was completely discouraged as they were. And the relationship was dead. It wasn't sick. It was dead. It was divorce. But you know what? I, I believe in a big God. And so we began, I, I began to pray, and I'm sure the partner who was being told that it's over began to pray. Well, you know, as we speak, only a few days later, that person had a change of heart and they said, maybe God can fix this and I'm going to give this another go. And they're a long way from it being completely healed. But I want to tell you right now, we do serve a God who can heal and he can heal sick things, but he can also raise dead things in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus was delayed in order in order to show us that he is the God of the impossible. Then it gets down to verse 11 and it says, and after he had said this, he went on to tell them. Now, this is Jesus being poetic. If, you, if you've read the gospels, you'll see that Jesus is, is often being poetic. And what I mean by poetic, he speaks in allegories, he speaks in parables, he, he, he gives pictures rather than just speaking really clearly sometimes. And, and, uh, and so this is one of those moments, and I can't help but laugh as I read this. It says, after this, Jesus went on to tell them, he's talking about Lazarus. He says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. And the disciples, who sometimes weren't the sharpest tools in the shed, uh, replied, but Lord, if he sleeps, he's going to get better. And Jesus had been speaking about his death, it says. But his disciples thought that he was talking about natural sleep. 
So then he told them plainly, Jesus just cuts to the chase now. He says, Lazarus is dead. Just straight up, guys. And for your sake, he says, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. Did you hear that? Jesus is saying, I'm glad. I'm glad that this situation has come to what you think the end. I'm glad. Why? So that you may believe. Now we get to read this account and we get to believe as well. This was a dire situation. It was what we would think is the end, but it obviously wasn't. Now that sounds wonderful, but these people didn't know what was about to happen. I've given you the spoiler alert. They didn't know that. Mary and Martha didn't know that. That's why we read in verse 21, uh, Martha says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had just been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, but, but, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you, you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. I just want to concentrate just for a moment on those, those first few verses where, Lord, if you had just been here, you know, there's a lot of people right now around the world saying, where's God? God, if you had just been here, if, if, you, if you could, God, where are you in, in all of this? God, where are you in my relationship falling apart? Where are you in my children walking away from the relationship we have with, for them? God, where, where are you? And it's a very common question. But, you know, for God, we may not sense his presence, but he says he's there. And he says he will never forsake us, he will never leave us. And it's a very common question. But if we could talk to Jesus one-on-one, he would say, hey, listen, I know you don't think you can see me right now. Maybe you can't hear my voice, but I'm telling you, I am in this moment. I, am, I can see you. He cares for our needs. He knows what we need right now. We might not be able to sense his presence, but he says that he is there. And then, and, and then it starts to get toward the pointy end, and they have this whole di- dialogue going on. And eventually Jesus says to the two sisters, where have you laid him? Where have you laid Lazarus? And that's an interesting question. Right now, in your heart and in your mind, if Lazarus represents something that's just not working out or it's dead, here's a question for you. Where have you laid him? Where have you laid that? Have you laid it at the feet of Jesus? Or have you laid it in the too hard basket? Have you laid it in that's just over and that will never, ever come back to life ever again? Where have you laid it? Because we read that Jesus says, where have you laid him? And they say, come and see my Lord. And and then the Bible says, this is the shortest verse in the Bible. Are you ready? Verse 35, Jesus wept. You know, there's a lot of speculation as to why Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. Why did Jesus weep? Do you know, I think when they showed him where, where, where Lazarus laid, I think he was totally discouraged by that. I think he was weeping because it's like, guys, you've seen me raise dead people before. You've seen me do miracles, signs and wonders. You are the closest people to me. I love spending time in your home. And the minute something happens that is a complete disaster, let's face it, they had no faith but other than just putting this man into a tomb. And some of you are thinking, what else were they meant to do? Well, we read of another another story of a woman who lost her son. Her son died. And the prophet Elijah uh, was the person who said that this child was going to live. And so this child dies. The Bible tells us that the woman takes the child and puts him on the couch. Not a tomb, not a grave, not, 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 not in the ground. She just lays him 
on the couch. But the boy's dead. And the Bible says she goes off and she runs off to the prophet. And when she brings the prophet back, the boy is lying on the couch and the prophet raises him from the dead. Do you know, these people would have known that story. That was something that they would have known. Why would they take their dead brother, knowing Jesus and all of his power, why would you lay him in a tomb? And I think that's what Jesus was weeping. Where's the faith? Where's the faith? It's easy to just come to church. It's easy to sing a song once in a while and, and declare his name and what a beautiful name it is. And, but yet when things really, when push comes to shove, we're just so quick to put things into a tomb and just say, well, it's done. I think Jesus wept because we all know again how the story ends, that Jesus does raise him from the dead. But I think he was just discouraged by the lack of faith. But come on, let's be a, let's be a people that keep believing God. We are going to get through this season. We're going to come out bigger and better with more opportunities coming away. I think God is just getting rid of the chaff that's that's surrounding the whole world at the moment, the distraction that people have. People think that they can just get through life all on their own. Well, I think God has shown us all, well, not really, not really. We're all pretty desperate at the moment, but we're going to get through this and we're going to be careful that we don't take these situations and lay them into a tomb. And then eventually we see Jesus turn up in front of the tomb and, uh, and, and in verse 41, it says, So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you have sent me. I just think it's so important before every miracle when you see miracles taking place, especially with Jesus, that there would always be thankfulness before the miracle. When Jesus wanted to feed the 5,000, he had the bread and the fish and just such a small amount, but he wanted to multiply it. What did he do? The Bible says that he took the bread and he gave thanks. Can I encourage you during this season, if you're needing a miracle, one of the greatest things you can do is to give thanks to God. What do I mean by that? I know there are so many things around us and friends, just life in, gen in general can often look like this where there are so many things that are going wrong. But if we want to stay positive and we need to in this, in these, in this moment, in this season, we've got, to, we've got to be people that wake up every day and give thanks for what is going well. What do we still have? We are still living in homes. We still have heating and cooling. We still have food, some food. In, in shopping centres and in supermarkets. You know, we've got to be people who stop focusing in on the negative. Yes, there are some negatives going on right now, but we've got to, we've, we've got to be full on the things that are going well. And that will just change our attitude. It'll keep us positive. And I think we will also see the miraculous come out of that. Can I really, really encourage you that at this season of your life, protect your heart, guard your heart. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 7. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything, listen to this part, tell God what you need. Tell him straight out. It says, and thank him for all that he has already done. Then, then it says, you will experience God's peace. I am desperate for you to experience God's peace. I want you to just, that when you get that phone call from me or from a friend, you just say, I don't know why, but I've just got a peace. I know why, because you're being thankful because you've decided to just look at all the positives around you, knowing that, wow, there are a lot of positives going on around here. It says you experience God's peace, which what? It says, which exceeds anything that we can understand. What does that mean? You shouldn't be feeling that much peace, but you will. 
That's what it's saying. It's just, it's supernatural. And then it says, his peace will guard your hearts and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. What's that telling us? As we become more and more thankful, a peace comes upon us, it guards our heart, and we are now ready for this season that we are in. You know, some of you find that really difficult to do. I can't help but think about my mother who, when she was younger and she was just uh, just recently married, and, and uh, some of you have heard this story, and m- my dad is completely comfortable with me telling these stories. They're both in heaven now, by the way. Um, but, you know, their, their, their marriage wasn't what it should be. And, and my dad, he wasn't raised really well, and so he wasn't a great husband and a great father at the time. And uh, sometimes he would make some really crazy decisions. And I remember my mother sitting down with me and having, they just had a huge argument. I remember my mum looking me straight in the eyes and saying, you know, at least he's not a gambler. Or, you know, at least he's not a drunk. Or, you know, and my my mother would just list a whole lot of things that my dad wasn't. What was she doing? She was actually just giving thanks for the good things that he was doing. And there were many, many good things. And that just amazed me. As a young boy, I just remember thinking, wow, she's trying to find the good in this situation, this person. She's, she's, she's making a deliberate decision. Did you know my parents stayed married their entire lives because at one point in time, my father gave his life to Jesus. His life completely turned around. He became the most awesome dad to me. He became an awesome husband. And they were both weeping uh, over each other as one of them became sick and then... What am I saying to you? I'm saying be thankful during this season. Let God do something in your life. Let him produce the miraculous. I've got one last scripture for us and then I'm going to leave you to discuss and to and to just have a great time together, whether you're online or whether you're meeting with your family. Uh, but Psalm 71 verse 20 says, uh, this is King David speaking. He says, you have allowed me to suffer much hardship but you will restore me back to life again and lift me up from the depths of the earth. What a powerful scripture. You have allowed me to suffer much. Hey, come on, some of us are suffering much. Let's be honest. But you will restore me back to life again. Come on, somebody, we need to get ready to be restored back to life. Life will go back to normal, but I believe it's going to be better than it was before. We need to just have that faith that believes that God can raise us up. He is the God who can resurrect dead things. That's the God that we serve. Hi, I'm Richard Gabakian, pastor of Lifehouse Church. Just wanted to say thank you for listening to this message and I hope and pray that you feel that it's added value to your life. My greatest desire is to see people develop a personal relationship with Jesus, which can begin by praying a very simple prayer. I'm going to pray that prayer right now. And if you'd like to begin that relationship, you can just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I choose you as my only hope of being forgiven. Please come into my life and let me begin a relationship with you that will last for all eternity. If you've prayed that prayer, we would love to know about it and celebrate your fantastic decision. You can do that by sending an email to mydecision at lifehouse.com.au. We look forward to hearing from you.